Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Slavery, in fact, is doomed in whatever way the war is carried on. We owe it no goodwill. Its life has been odious, and its death will be as grateful to the nation as was that of the old man of the sea to Sinbad. That comes to us from the New York Times on March 17, 1862. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben, and we are joined as always, by our super producer, Noel Manumission Brown. Manumission? Yeah, uh, manumission or manumittance, being manumitted, uh, being freed from slavery, essentially. Okay. Emancipated, in some senses of the word. Uh, this week, we have been taking a look at slavery. Not, yes. Not the historical part, uh, but our video that comes out today, uh, three facts about modern slavery, which we shot in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Right? Yes, we did. Uh, you know, President Lincoln, we'll, we'll discuss him perhaps a little later in this episode, Ooh. but his, his and his uh, 
the people that worked with him, the Emancipation Proclamation, it is cited as ending slavery in the United States. Of course, we know historically that, you know, slavery didn't just drop off immediately. Right. Everything wasn't hunky-dory. When President Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation, it was January 1st, 1863. This was the third year of Civil War. Uh, this proclamation famously declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious Confederate states are and henceforward shall be free. Matt, you, you made a great point that this was not near as uh, complete nor swift an ending as it should have been. So you and I, Noel, are recording this in the United States. Uh, it's a country with a horrific sl- history of slavery, and the lingering effects of this practice can still be seen across the culture today. And this is not... This is not a political point. This no. is a fact. It's inarguable that, uh, the end of, the end of slavery, um, was not as concise nor as abrupt as the Emancipation Proclamation aimed for it to be. The slave trade in North America was still not as large as the trade in South America. And, uh, if you, there's a, there's a great program called Black in Latin America, which makes a case that Mexico and Peru imported more African slaves than the United States. Yeah, it cites that, uh, between 1502 and 1866, that there were 11.2 million Africans. Uh, Im- imported into those countries, like Kid- forcibly kidnapped, kidnapped and taken, yeah. abducted. Uh, yeah, and in the United States, there were only around 450,000. Uh, yeah, and the rest were in Latin America, the Caribbean, as early as the 16th and 17th centuries. This was a long-running practice. And uh, the struggle for equality post-emancipation proclamation continued through Jim Crow laws and, and uh, ballot test or voting test, you know, where people were, uh, people were allowed to vote on paper yeah. if they could, you know, decipher Mandarin and things like that. Uh, and then the struggle for civil rights and equality. Uh, and then it even gets up to voter rights laws mm-hmm. and uh, needing IDs for certain things, uh, laws about being imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're if you've been charged with a felony. Right. Certain things you can't do a lot of times vote. Right. And what kind of, and, and that's a, that's an interesting question that you and I have kicked around off the air before. What would change about the political climate in the U.S. if felons were allowed to vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked about some of this stuff and, and now we're talking about the future. So our look at modern human trafficking and slavery, which are there's a nuance there. They are different things. Uh, it, it brought us to this question that we're asking today. What's the state of human trafficking and slavery today? What's the future of slavery? And to answer that, we have to, uh, we have to bust a couple myths and walk through some statistics. That's right. The first thing we should point to here is that, as we said, Slavery and human trafficking did not stop by any means throughout the world at that time. It had existed prior to the Emancipation Proclamation for 
thousands of years, mm-hmm. and it continues today until 2015, right now. Right, and it will probably continue as well. Uh, according to the International Labor Organization, they did a report in 2012, and they found that three out of every thousand people in the world are in some form of forced labor. Now, there's an important point that we're going to make about the statistics later, But for now, we're just going to give you some of these findings. And one of those statistics is that there are nearly 21 million people who are in this kind of forced labor, including 1.5 million in North America. And as part of one of these definitions, there are two categories of human trafficking in the U.S., at least by definition. There's sex trafficking and then there's labor trafficking. Um, And that is as defined by the Victims of Trafficking and Violence Protection Act from 2000. Right. And this brings us to another – this brings us to something that should be explored because the line between labor and trafficking or enslavement, indentured servitude is not as stark as people might think. There's there's a big misconception that the majority of people who are enslaved are enslaved for sexual purposes. However, it seems that from the numbers we can find, the majority of people who are enslaved are enslaved in a forced labor situation. And in the U.S., many of the victims of trafficking end up working as, you know, domestic workers or even mm-hmm. in a restaurant industry or you can hear about uh, forced labor in agricultural uh, fields. According to our research, there was a, there are a lot more people in forced work in restaurants than I would have ever imagined. Right. Yeah. So uh, there's. There, there's different stuff there too because what is the line between actual forced labor? Is forced labor something where you are paid but irregularly paid or is it something where you are under lockdown and forced to do something by someone who, uh, possesses your vital documents or mm-hmm. someone who could get you deported? So there's, uh, there's a thing here about America's immigration policy, and you'll hear a lot of NGOs say that uh, America's approach to immigration uh, kind of strengthens the system of human trafficking. And, of course, I know that this can be a very charged topic for people, not just in the U.S., but also in Europe, for instance. Uh, the current U.S. guest worker program uh, has led to a host of problems for immigrants, right? Uh, you might remember the human rights violations that were exposed in uh, New Orleans, which led to the creation of the National Guest Workers Alliance, uh, trying to, you know, find some sort of strength in numbers. And there's a fantastic book you can read called Life Interrupted, Trafficking into Forced Labor in the United States by a professor named Denise Brennan. And she says that contrary to claims that modern-day slavery is all around us, the politically thorny reality is that exploited migrant labor is all around us. Most workers are not in a situation of extreme abuse. They're not technically trafficked, but they work in lousy conditions in a kind of labor purgatory. There's no immigration relief or protection for being almost trafficked. Mm. Uh, And this professor's view is that... um, the current practice of immigration deportation, those those rules make it impossible to fight trafficking. And this this is strange because the largest number of 
human trafficking cases, mm-hmm. not necessarily slavery, right? But, but human taking tra- someone forcibly to another place, right? The the largest number of those that are reported are sex trafficking. Uh, but how to decide that how to support these victims or someone who's labeled a victim is still a, a subject in debate right now because you'll hear people talk about and, and this is. This is a dark topic, right? This is a yeah. grisly, um, grisly, unpleasant thing. Uh, but you'll hear people talk about uh, the practice of survival sex, like having having sexual congress with someone for your own safety if you're homeless or if you're trying to survive in a foster uh, in, in a foster care situation. So it's it's inarguable that. Currently in the U.S., there there could be better programs and support for people who are survivors of human trafficking. And this is – I know we're being very specific to the U.S., so maybe let's make it a little bit broader and let's look at the world overall where in some cases uh, slavery is more or less tacitly condoned by the government – Right. Because that's a big question. Right. When we look at when we look at slavery across the world, we have to say, wait, despite this constant work from NGOs and governments today, slavery still continues. And we have some we have some unpleasant news in this in this regard. Yeah. One of the more brutal things that you're going to hear among the inside this topic is that there are more slaves that exist today on planet Earth than ever before. And there are a couple things that work into that statement, right? Right, yeah, because that number comes from absolute numbers, right? Yes. So not as a percentage of the population, but in just raw human lives. Because there are a lot of us humans walking around right now, um, and some of of the people walking around, uh, let's say, don't take issue with things like putting someone in slavery. And that is a horrible thing to think about, but there are human beings walking around right now that don't, they don't mind so much, I guess. Or there are people who grow up in a situation where because their parents were enslaved, they are also enslaved. Modern day slavery differs from the traditional slavery. Traditional slavery, which is illegal in each of the 167 countries listed in the Global Slavery Index, under traditional slavery, these people were considered property, not people, but things. Uh, but modern slavery is more about the possession or control of a person in a way that deprives them of their rights. So there is there is a slight difference, and that exists in each of the 167 nations that are part of this index. And only five countries, five countries alone, count for all for about 61 percent of people living in modern slavery. Oh, yeah. India has the highest number of people living in modern slavery right now, estimated to be at over 14 million, and. Uh, one of the examples mm-hmm. of that is are the kiln workers, and you listeners may have seen something on Vice or uh, recently Humans of New York did a small piece on the kiln workers and what they go through. It's a systematic situation where, 
let's say you're a worker from Bangladesh mm-hmm. and you want to help out your family and you want to make some money. This person comes into town and says, hey, we can give you a job, uh, let's say, in India. We can give you this job and you're going to make a certain amount of money. You'll be able to send it back to your family. It'll be great. We just need some money to get you over here to do this. This right. kind of thing happens in Dubai and a couple other places like this Sure, uh, for different kind of work. And then you show up for work, but then you find out, oh, wait, they just, they took my passport. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weird. Now, how am I going to get back to my family when it's time to go? Oh, you'll, you'll get that back after you've paid off your debts. Right. So then, you know, you're having to pay off your, the original loan that you're given the with interest. tons of interest. Right. And you're not making as much money as you thought you were going to make. Mm-hmm. And you end up being stuck there. Yeah. Uh, the, another another way to look at it would be some of the cultural expectations. A lot of times you'll hear people who are slaveholders uh, use terms that try to avoid it. Like what we're talking about with the kiln workers mm-hmm. is debt bondage, yes. right? You have to pay off your debt or bonded labor or attached labor, people who live on a property that someone owns and therefore they're part of the property the same way the fields, the trees, and the buildings are, mm. or, um, you know, indentured servitude. Uh, here's another nasty, uh, nasty fact. Uh, the, the last country in the world to abolish slavery was Mauritania in... 1981. Jeez. And this, of course, still continued at the time. Uh, there, there are other people in the region who are, who are still enslaved and slave status is passed down through the generations. So if your mother or your father was a slave, then you too can be born a slave. Uh, this, this uh, abominable practice continues. And then it it also brings us to the question. I, I like that you mentioned guest workers, right? People from Indonesia, perhaps or the Philippines who are brought to Middle Eastern countries under the pretense that they will be given job opportunities that do not exist. Some of these euphemistic words, euphemisms that are used with this are just, uh, it's nefarious. Right. It is. It is. And, you know, as you said, these people may have their passports taken by their, their sponsor, their employer, and then forced to live in horrific conditions, mm-hmm. exposed to assault, exposed to, exposed to beatings. And Sexual harassment is rampant in, oh, in these kind of things. More than harassment. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's hard, it's hard for me to, uh, to even imagine the mm-hmm. horrors that people have to go through with this stuff. And in, oh, and just to go back with Mauritania, while India has the highest population estimated to be in slavery in terms of numbers, mm-hmm. Mauritania has the largest percentage. Uh, as of 2014, 4% of Mauritania's population can be considered enslaved. Wow. 4%. This, uh, this is not to say that other countries are perfect themselves. You know, you can read the list of the countries with the most slaves, which is just a, a, a terrible rundown that we can do. Uh, I don't know if we want to mm. laundry list that, but there's another factor here, which is given the larger number of slaves in absolute terms, as I think we may have mentioned in the video too, uh, 
slaves are cheaper than ever before now. Yeah. Uh, I think you pointed to, uh, what, what did we say? In, while chattel slavery was the normal thing in the United States, if you do the conversions of money back in those days to what it would be now, a buying a person averaged around forty thousand U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. and nowadays with modern money, you the, I think the average was around ninety nine zero dollars. Right, and the uh, if we look at a pie graph, fifty five percent of slavery victims are women and uh, girls, whereas forty five percent are men. And boys. And, and as Ben and I were saying earlier, a lot of these things feel like they're being equated together. Um, but there is, there, there are big difference in some of these numbers because, you know, if you throw it all together in one big thing, the way some of these numbers are, it's not taking into account the exact situation, right? And every, every situation with this is different when we're talking about bonded labor. Versus guest workers within bonded bonded labor, there's there are differences there even, mm-hmm. and there are different differences through all of this, and there I think there's a Washington Post article you can find that discusses the minutia of some of the statistics mm-hmm. out there. Right. Yeah. To the, this may seem like a cold question, but it is a question that must be asked, which is if a uh, if an NGO exists to fight slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are the numbers derived from? You always have to question your sources. And then is it possible that there is exaggeration because a lot of these numbers don't agree? And that's not to say that there's, you know, malevolence or deception on the part of the NGOs. No, it, there's not a census. Right. There's for not, slavery, right? Yeah. It's incredibly difficult to find a, a a complete and accurate number of how many people are enslaved because as you can imagine, as Matt, you pointed out, it's difficult to have a census. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the idea seems, you know. Yeah, horrible. I'm sorry. That it seems strange. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk some more about the stuff they don't want you to know regarding modern slavery. However, before we do, we're going to pause for a word from today's sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. 
Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Here's where it gets crazy. I love it when you do that. You made me feel weird when you said that. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. Uh, I think well, we all do. Human rights. This is, this is one of the craziest things. Human rights often take a backseat to international affairs. Oh yeah, that's right, especially if you've got oh, I don't I don't know the Olympics coming in to your country mm. or FIFA or something like that. Yeah, tell me a little more about this. Well, you just imagine that you're being tasked with building huge structures that are going to hold thousands and thousands of people and Maybe they're only going to be used one summer or one winter. Who knows? But you have to build them. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The and how how do you do that in a country that doesn't have rule of law or labor regulations? Mm-hmm. Right. It came out recently. You've probably read some of the some of the reports regarding the use of slave labor in these enormous construction projects and. Also, you know, we're, we're talking about countries that have, uh, close relationships with other, other countries that have really strict anti-slavery, anti-human trafficking laws. And you think that's, that's strange. Right. Like India and the U.S. are geopolitical partners, right? Yeah. Uh, and again, India has over 14 million people enslaved 
today. Uh, we could also mention, I'm sure, numerous examples spring to mind as you're thinking about this, listeners, but uh, for instance, forced labor in North Korea, right? Mm-hmm. If the, if the, if the problem of slavery, if this um, disgusting practice is so inherently disgusting, so um, such anathema to the existence of a modern civilization, then the question becomes, why is it tolerated? How does it occur? There, there are some excellent reports by the United Nations that you can read for free online detailing the roles of corrupt government officials in assisting uh, human trafficking and smugglers, right? And, and human trafficking, we should also say, is not necess- again, not necessarily slavery. It's human trafficking when a coyote takes, uh, takes a group of people illegally over a border, mm-hmm. right, between Mexico and the U.S., even if the, even if the coyote, you know, is paid his or her fee and then just does just, let yeah, the people go. Just takes off. It's still trafficking. It's still trafficking. Uh, and it's still, you know, smuggling. But the the question then becomes, you know, the answer is something very cold and geopolitical, which is that if it is going to damage a status quo, right, for mm-hmm. for China or the U.S. to or even South Korea to invade North Korea, right, and try to liberate people and force labor camps, then this geopolitical calculation occurs where people – People at the heads of government, right? People who either are the power or have the ear of power say, well, you know, there are different kinds of evil. And which one is worse? Which is, which is a conversation I have never personally been in. Thank goodness. But it, it is a conversation that people have. And one, one of the things that comes to mind right here that maybe isn't the best thing is listening to, let's say, certain politicians inside the U.S. who have recently called for a global government. This is the kind of thing that they would say, this is why we need a global governance who would say, hey, it doesn't matter what country you're in. This is abhorrent. This can't happen. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds really nice, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I know people right now are just getting a ringing in their ears because I said global government. And, you know, and, and the idea of that is very scary. And to me, it's scary. But at the same time, it could mean if we had something like that, that was true governments on that kind of scale, then maybe you could stop it. That's interesting that you say that, Matt, because I, I wonder if that kind of global governance would be possible. We know that we've talked about this in earlier podcasts when, when we talk about secret societies or people trying to control the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what we can tell, the truth of the matter is that there are numerous groups who think they should be controlling the world, right? And they are always constantly Trying to. <laughs> yeah, and at odds with one another, yeah. right? It's very much a Highlander, a king of the hill. Who kind makes of the rules. Right, who watches the watchers. And the, the question here is, um, is to what extent, I would say to what extent this could actually work. We've talked before about Dunbar's number, the concept that there is a hardwired limitation in every human brain that limits how many people you can think of as other human beings, which in my mind, um, 
in my, in my mind, raises some difficult propositions when we talk about an elected representative representing, you know, anyone over a couple hundred people, hundreds of thousands <laughs> of people. Right. And is is there is there some sort of possibility that a global government would be able to address the the atrocity that is modern slavery? To me, that's a question that would be a great thing to ask because we still as a species, have not proven whether a one-world global government would work. And my spider sense tells me... Yeah, probably not. (laughs) My spider sense tells me it would work very well for a very small group Ah. of people. But for most of humanity, it's very much an question up in the air and i i don't well, know i don't know if it's it kind of scary right well i don't know like i don't know if it could even happen we're talking about billions of people how on earth literally would this would this occur how would decisions be made the united nations already has such a difficult time and the world's superpowers right and nuclear powers even often ignore the un when it doesn't say something that suits them the European Union is constantly trying to figure out how to be a government of multiple countries. And now the, this question about uh, who would control the world, you know, financial institutions, honestly, probably have the best shot. Financial institutions and a coalition of nuclear-powered governments. That sounds great. That sounds, yeah, I, okay, that sounds can horrible. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? I okay. can hear the sarcasm. <laughs> the, it, it, it's emanating off you, and I'm receiving well, it, too. Okay, so be, because in absence of some group that would actually have the power to say, no, don't do that, Right. Uh, we have something like the U.S., which a lot of times seems to, or at least attempts to, act as the global police force that goes through and says, hey, we're going to, we're going to put sanctions on you because we don't like this is what you're doing. Hey, we're going to invade you because we don't like this that you're doing. And as we have learned through our experiences here and listeners, I'm sure you have as well, uh, that perhaps those, the reasons for doing those things aren't necessarily above board. Right. Yeah. There is again a a calculation that, that, continues with this stuff, right? Uh, because I think we talked about it before, and I, I know that it sounds a bit world-weary, but when I hear people saying uh, we're going to go to war, leaders of any country saying we're going to war because of our values, then I'm kind of suspicious, right? Uh, because if those values are so sacrosanct, if they are so powerful, then why do human rights violations continue, you know, in in every country? And, of course, it's because a system can't be perfect. I'm just saying that I cannot think of an example wherein a global government could work. Perhaps as technology evolves, it would be some sort of – there would be some sort of way to do it. But given the distrust, rightfully placed distrust – in in something like this, some overarching global empire, I I uh, I don't know, man. It's a tough sell. We've got and we've got local examples too. L- listeners, longtime listeners, as you know, uh, Matt Knoll and I are based at How Stuff Works in Atlanta, which means our city's 
primary airport is Hartsville-Jackson International Airport. We're recording this in 2015, toward the end of August, and as of our recording time, this is the busiest airport in the U.S. Woo! (laughs) Right. It has also been a hub of human trafficking for a... uh, For a distressingly long time, and there are some excellent organizations here and abroad that are working to prevent this, uh, which is why if you go to the airport, you will see uh, signs Mm -hmm. about human trafficking. You saw some of those last time we were there, right? Yeah, I I don't see... I don't see how you tackle that problem, and it's perhaps just because I haven't lived inside of trying to accomplish that goal sure. for very long, but it seems like such a Herculean task to stop it when you have so many human beings going through that massive airport every moment. Right, yeah. The uh, In 2014, you can read some reports that are immensely depressing about the airport partnering with GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the mm-hmm. state-level version of the Federal Bureau, uh, because there was a report that Atlanta had the biggest cash-based underground sex economy in the nation. That's, uh, what? Yeah, to the tune of $290 million a year. And and the sad thing about a lot of these human trafficking signs is that they are posted at eye level so that a child can see the print and read the 800 number. Well, that's, I mean, that's good, right? That's the whole point, so that maybe a child could call? Hopefully, yeah. And this Ugh. this question, you know, this is one of those... This is one of those things, sometimes you and I will get the question where someone will say, well, who are they in this scenario, right? Sure. What is the cover-up? And the cover-up uh, appears to be people who are doing the actual tracking or trafficking, the actual enslaving, as well as corrupt officials who are helping them, right? Because they're either making, they're making money or their country is making money mm-hmm. or their prefecture, whatever it is, their tiny, their region is making money. Yeah, they're fiefdom, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're the suzerain. But the, the other, there's another aspect here that I wanted to get your opinion on. So you remember a few years back, uh, fairly recently here, where there was a judge accepting kickbacks to sentence children to, um, to time in the juvie. juvenile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does, that dude, that dude went to jail. He did. Does that count as human trafficking? Ooh. It's the forced movement of a person for, for financial profit. gain. Whoa. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. But I, I, you know, I want, I wonder what this is and I wonder too how, how this problem could be addressed. Like let's take it in comparison. Let's take it to, um, disease, right? It's a well known fact that some diseases persist because there's not a financial incentive in the enormous cost of research it would take to make medicine that could cure it. But there is an enormous uh, financial, let's say, incentive to create some kind of drug or prescription that a human can take to maybe not cure the thing, but at least stop some of the worse effects. Alleviate the systems. Okay, sorry, I'm getting out the soapbox. I I don't know if I've already talked about this, (laughs) but moving away from an ownership Society to mm-hmm. a service society is a, um, is I think a very dangerous thing and it's already happening. Yeah. You know, like, uh, with, <laughs> there's so many things now that you used to buy and own outright and now you just pay for them. Are you afraid of the cloud, Ben? The cloud loves you. 
the the cloud is uh the cloud is a beautiful thing while it lasts uh, and i wish it all the best <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to participate in just really fast i want to go back to that example of the guy sending kids to jail because it makes me really think about the private prison system that exists in the world and i think we've discussed cca before and a couple other organizations that they they profit off of running prisons and right. having human beings in prison. Right. And then that goes to the question of whether or not incarceration is itself a substitute for slavery. Uh, what, what we're talking about specifically is what's known as the kids for cash scandal. This was in 2008 mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Two judges, Mark Cia Varela and, uh, Michael Conahan were, uh, accused and I believe ultimately convicted of accepting money from a guy who builds private for-profit youth centers or juvie halls, basically youth centers, a guy named Robert Miracle. uh, Oh my God. No, that's not his name. Not spelled the same way. Okay. okay. M E R I C L E. Okay. Uh, But he was, he was apparently paying them to bring children to the center. Now we should say to be completely objective that at least here in the States, the vast majority of prisons are not private. Private prisons are a relatively small part of the percentage of prison structures overall. However, uh, private prisons are branching out into mm-hmm. immigration uh, detainment centers. That just sounds really nice. Immigration detention centers. You know, and that's something, Ben, that I think we've said it before, but I really want to cover that in particular. What what a detention center is, what it's like to be someone who gets stuck in one of those things. Mm-hmm. And I've made some contacts, so I think we can actually do a whole show on that and maybe even have somebody on. Yeah, and listeners, write in and let us know if you would like this to be a future episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. So we're, we're looking at a really big thing, a, a large phenomenon, and it's one that Often may seem, I don't know, Matt, often may seem abstract or, or distant, you know. People uh, can easily read about things that happened in history and say, oh, that's not me, right? Yeah. I would never, I would never do that. And it's true. It's, here's another point. It's, it's true that even during the age of chattel slavery in the U.S., most people could not afford to buy another human being any more than most people could afford to buy uh, something else that was very expensive, mm, right? Yeah, I mean, we said almost $40,000. Right. Think about spending $40,000 on anything right now. And that's the terrifying thing because people might take out a loan to get a car today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, while this stuff might seem abstract, might seem removed from our day-to-day existence, it's not the distant past, and it's not as far away as you think. Uh, the odds are, depending on what consumer products we pass each day, that there has been in somewhere in the uh, somewhere in the operational production chain, there has been the use of forced labor or slave labor, especially in some agricultural products like chocolate. Yeah, chocolate is, oh my gosh, I, I forget if it was a Vice quick documentary that I watched on that, but it just exposed the, the children that were working mm-hmm. getting the chocolate for you. Or even 
let's say, what device you're listening to this podcast on. It's not necessarily slavery, but in a lot of other cases, I mean, it really just depends on how you uh, how you decide to categorize things like people who work in factories, who build smartphones. You're talking specifically about Foxconn. Yes, Foxconn, who builds the iPhones. Right. And then there, here's one that uh, some, you know, some people might not think about. You've, you've heard about chocolate. You've heard about electronics. You've heard about clothing. It can also apply to illegal drugs. Cocaine, of course, marijuana, uh, all can be part of this, all can be part of these forced labor programs. And here's something that was really tricky that I learned about a while back. Uh, so the U.S. has labor laws that in theory prevent the, uh, prevent the slave-like exploitation of workers. Well, in Congress, and I believe a number of years back, there was a, uh, there was this frightening discovery that some things that had the made in the USA label were made in U.S. held territories or that didn't have the same labor laws. Yes. So for legal purposes, for the employees, they were in a U.S. territory. But for uh, the ultimate destination for the customers, right, and for pricing purposes, they're made in the USA. Yikes. Yeah, that's a, that's a distressing thing. And we know, we know, of course, that this is such a big problem. It's kind of like how it's kind of like cancer, Matt, because we often, people who are not doctors often use the phrase cancer as though it is one thing where in truth, uh, while there is a group term, uh, and that group term is cancer, it describes a range of widely varying things, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we say slavery or modern slavery, what we're actually doing is we're describing, uh, a wide range of things with one term. And so it's not completely, it's not completely fair. It's, it's worth asking, is there some kind of silver bullet solution and if so what is it because another country that has a, a very high rate in terms of population enslaved would be Uzbekistan and what what would we do with Uzbekistan and Mauritania would there be an idea that some group could come in and create an infrastructure such that uh people didn't use slaves not because they all of a sudden became magically better people or were mm-hmm. fundamentally changed, but because there was something more useful or they were incentivized towards something more useful. And that brings us to another point. Matt, what's the future of slavery? Well, it's it's mostly robots. Ah, yes. That's what, that's what I would say. Uh, here, here's a quick stat from Statista of all places. And I'm just going to read this verbatim, Statista. I hope you don't mind. Uh, here we go. Worldwide shipments of multi-purpose industrial robots are forecast to exceed 207,000 units in 2015. That's up from 159,000 in 2012. Check this out. The robot density is particularly high in countries that have strong automotive industries. Uh, so we're looking at... Japan, uh, U.S., and uh, several other places, there are, in Japan, 
1,562 industrial robots installed per 10,000 automotive employees. So that that's kind of crazy. I mean, you're getting you're, that's around a little over 15 percent. And that's not to say that uh, automotive workers are in any way slaves, and that is not what I'm saying at all. But but what I'm saying is the kind of jobs that would require someone uh, to do manual labor of some sort. Mm-hmm. A lot of these jobs will hopefully eventually be done by something that would not be considered a human. Now we're going to have a guest on the show later, not this episode, but in the future, uh, an old friend of mine who spends a lot of time. Uh, theorizing about uh, what artificial intelligence is, what mm-hmm. the what the uh, intersection between a, a robot or a circuit board and software and a soul. Well, what is that? Is it possible that we reach a point wherein robots or you know software programs are sentient to the point that it seems uh, that it is a violation? Somehow, of their own rights to force them to do task for us. This would be such an amazing problem to have because it would mean this crazy experiment called the human race somehow didn't blow itself up in the interim or run out of water or starve to death, and still it would be a very strange thing. You know, earlier we did an an episode or a series on the concept of legal personhood, mm-hmm. and this was. This was an interesting episode, and people had surprisingly strong feelings about it. So, so what was this idea? Well, there are a couple of different things that we looked at. One of them was animals and whether or not a a a cetacean or a mm-hmm. great ape could be considered to be a person for legal purposes, yes. which would mean you know they they have things like the right uh, the right not to be unfairly unjustly detained. Sure. Which is, you know, if you're if you're a person and you live in a country that has rule of law, then the law typically has something along the lines of if you haven't done anything wrong, we can't just put you in a room, and we can't just keep you there.、Mm-hmm. And if animals gain some sort of legal personhood, which is, which is a topic that is enormously vital to some people and seems silly to other people, but if animals attain some sort of personhood, then A zoo becomes like animal jail, which is a term I learned from you one day. It's a term that I will continue to use. So it's it's interesting, and and the criticism on both sides、uh, had some valid points. One of the things that stayed with me is we had someone write in and say, you know, this is an interesting topic, but humanity should write its own house first, and I I understand that, but. Also, you know, when we talk about these large global issues, the questions are almost always the same, which is, why does it continue? The answer is usually profit, right?、Mm-hmm. And then that leads us to the second question: who profits, right? And that leads us to the third question, which is, how do we change this relationship between a terrible thing and a growing series of bank accounts? Which is which is a shame to say it,、um, and I think for a time it's you know it's quite possible that people will find、uh, robots substituting, as you said,、uh, the traditional human interactions. Well, here's the other side of that coin:、hmm. for every robot that is installed, 
that is a human being that is not working. Right. Yes. Okay. So just quick, uh, etymology, cause I love etymology. There's mm-hmm. the word robot is, is pretty recent, right? This came from a Czech playwright, uh, and also a journalist named Carol Kapek, uh, C-A-P-E-K. He lived from 1880 to 1938. In 1920, he had a play called R-U-R, which translates to Rossum's universal robots. And the word robot comes from this old Slavonic word, rabata, which means servitude or forced labor. So for the purposes of this conversation, for this episode, it's fascinating because a lot of people use the term robot and it has evolved to mean something Mm -hmm. different, but originally it did mean a slave. Wow. So perhaps uh, this word is attaining uh, the uh, something closer to the original root meaning of it, uh, and and we we can see in other places, right? Like uh, you had a couple of examples you were pointing out. I could also see the sex trade being uh, transformed, perhaps a little bit. Um, we're aware of this technology, or perhaps you're not, but there's this technology and product called the Real Girl, which is something that. It's a doll, essentially, or a real doll. I, f- I forget. I exactly think it's what it called real doll. real doll. Real doll. Okay. Yeah. It's a th- it's a life size, or at least almost life size, human being that is made out of other materials. Right. It's so a sex mannequin. It's it's a sex mannequin. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now I'm thinking about movies like AI or I don't know uh, some kind of replicant sex worker sure where it's you combine an artificial intelligence or some at least some kind of artificial intelligence sure with that technology and then perhaps we won't have to have so many sex workers but then again it comes that conversation of what is what is the nature of intelligence at what point does it become immoral or unethical to force a thinking Entity. Yeah. To no. do stuff it wouldn't want to do. Completely agree. Like the, oh, like that recent story we had posted on Facebook about scientists who were very close to growing a brain, an actual human brain. Yeah. Whoa. That's an ethics minefield right there. Right. You know, how do you break the news to the brain? How do you teach it? <laughs> you what are if, just a brain. <laughs> what if you can, you know, what if you can teach this thing and then study the rate at which it becomes an entity. You know, oh. could, could a consciousness evolve without being inside a body? You know what I mean? I think, I think, yes, I think so. It's like the old, uh, Descartes thing, right? Uh, I think therefore I am. Yeah. Cause if, if you give the thinking brain sensors, which is essentially just what we have, mm-hmm. we have biological sensors, then why? Yeah. How is it any different? Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire 
with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. It's a good question, Matt. So what if we what if we follow this even further into the future? Let's say that automation increasingly replaces jobs that would normally be done by humans. And let's go ahead and imagine that despite the coming catastrophes with resources, potable water, uh, edible food. Meter of ocean levels rising. Right. A quality of air, um, things like that. If Let's say that resources are diminished, but we're working assiduously to save them, but we're coming back from a near disaster scenario and you're a human being growing up in a time where there are are no jobs. Robots do them all. So then how do you justify your existence in a society? How do you how do you earn uh air to breathe, food to eat, water to drink, a place to live? Well, you know, for me, mm-hmm. as long as the robots don't learn how to write stories and record podcasts and make videos, then I'm feeling pretty good. Totally going to happen, though. 
Nah. Yes. Nah, it won't happen. Yes way, Matt. No. Well, yeah, it it will. There's uh there's an interesting episode of uh Forward Thinking that our our friends uh Jonathan and Joe and Lauren did about some of the artificial uh into, well, maybe software is a better word at this point. Uh yeah, attempts to figure out how to edit footage together and write Right, how how to aim at a demographic. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite possible within our lifetimes, and perhaps yours yours as well, listeners, that there could be an entirely artificially created film. It might hit all, it might be good, guys. It might hit all the story points. It might use, um, computer generated images for the actors as well as voices, right? Yeah. And it may also, it may also, uh, this is an idea I have for a sci-fi story, which I'm going to feel just so ripped off if it ever becomes real. Don't say it on this mic. Really? Somebody might hear it and then, dude, Ben. Do you think so? I think I know what you're talking about. I think it's a good story. I refuse to participate in a cover-up on this of all shows. Okay. So please, listeners, I'm trusting you. Please don't steal my idea. It's just cool. I'd like to hear what you think about it. Imagine... Okay, can you say in a world? Can you do it? Okay. In a world. Imagine that we are in the future where in you can take a device, right? And you can take one movie you really love. What's a movie you really love, Matt? The Matrix. Okay, so you can take The Matrix, and then you can take another film that you really love that's completely different. What's that? How about Titanic. Titanic. Great. So let's say that you live in a future where you can uh, turn on your device, your software, and you say, uh, computer, combine the Matrix and Titanic. And the computer will be like, computing. What? And then create a film that is a seamless mesh of those two films, not just in terms of the actors and the sequences, but in terms of the themes, in terms of the philosophical quandaries, and it will be coherent and unified. I think that it is possible that something like that could exist. And Whoa. that's, you know, that's the dream big kind of story. Mm-hmm. It would be a lot easier to write about it than it would be to make the code. You know what I mean? I'm just imagining Neo rocketing off of the Titanic at the end while everybody's going down because mm-hmm. he can fly now. Right. I'm king of the world, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and, the, you know, there there are other things that you could combine with that. Yeah, better examples. I, I apologize. No, that was that was great. So I'm I'm just saying like it it is quite possible that the problem of human slavery uh fundamentally becomes changed by technology, mm-hmm. right? By some of the same things that are being built with slave labor may ultimately or one day lead to the demise of this abhorrent practice. That's cool imagery that's going on in my head right now. I hope you listeners are also getting some of that. Well, and I, I hope that we're, I hope that we're showing some of the state of it. And I, you know, Matt, I have massive respect, um, for you because you're the one who, you're the one who pointed out something that I think a lot of people forget, which is, you know, the, the fact that these, these numbers may well be exaggerated, uh, or that they may not agree, whether that's through, mistakes in methodology or maybe bad data or maybe even self-interested actors, it's important to realize that there is still a great deal we do not know about modern slavery. 
other than it exists and other than the fact that there are interested parties in in the world, in other countries, and, and maybe here in the U.S. on some level, who are specifically supposed to be stopping this and explicitly allowing it to occur, not just turning a blind eye, but assisting in a slave trade. And I know that this is a little bit soapboxish, but uh, the the fact of the matter is that this is this is a, a problem that has followed humanity like a shadow, you know, for the entirety of human civilization. Have you heard Louis C.K.'s bit about? Um, of course, but maybe. Have you heard this? Have you listeners? Have you heard this? It sounds familiar. He, he I'm not going to do the bit because I am not Louis C.K. and he has. He's the only person who can deliver it, but it is a, he makes a point about how this kind of human suffering that exists in, in the act of enslaving a human being mm-hmm. is what has built every giant big thing that exists on this planet, every huge, um, uh, you know, big countries, every, everything basically that we have right now is because we threw, he says, human suffering at it until it became a thing. Ah, yes, I remember that. It's a, uh, it's a difficult point, but it's not entirely out of the ballpark. I mean, Louis C.K. is a pretty insightful guy. I'm a fan of him. You are too. Big fan. Yeah. And, uh, I guess what we'll do is, uh, wrap up the show. Listeners, we would like to hear from you. We'd like to hear your perspective on the topics we addressed here. Anything from privatized prisons to, uh, enslavement, human trafficking, uh, immigration. We like your perspective on that as well. I know that some of those issues might be divisive. Ben, do you, do you hear that? Yeah. Sort of a thunder in the distance growing. Is there a, it's like there's a beat or something. That can only mean one thing. Matt, the time has come. It's a moment with Noel. Noel? Is that you? It is I. Well, hello. It's also Annie. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Just to let everybody know, so we may have described this before, Ben and Matt are sort of sequestered in this little box and I'm outside in the common area. So, you know, that just adds to the realism. You're hearing people in the background uh, going about their, going about their daily routines here. Way to go, Norks. Con- convincing yeah. everyone that we're not just bots. in a bunker. Yeah, or, yeah, or not real human beings. Three brains in separate jars. At least we got separate jars. No offense, guys. I think the world oh, yeah? you. Yeah, but. I need my own jar. Gotta have separate jars. Gotta have separate jars. So, uh, so Noel. Yes. You know, today was a pretty heavy topic. Sometimes we have episodes that we can have a little bit of fun with, like Mm -hmm. online manipulation, right? Uh, but this one, this one was, uh, this one's a little bit different and, I don't know if we, if we've done it justice, but I, I wanted to ask you, have you had any, uh, personal experience with with something like human trafficking or seeing something because I'll I'll be honest I I know we're a family show so I'm not going to talk too too much about this. Oh, Matt, you're right. Matt's giving me a look and a slow nod. We're not exactly a family show. We do talk about stuff like slavery, but if you live in a city 
of any comp, of any size, then odds are that you have passed by and seen, you know, prostitutes, for instance. There, there are prostitutes in Atlanta mm-hmm. that, that you can, that when you drive by, you can see someone or you'll hear someone say, look, look at these uh, prostitutes. And when we know that there is a likelihood that these people have been forced into, into this occupation, then, you know, there's this question like, what can we do, if anything, right? Like, I, I, I don't know, Noel, I'm, I'm looking for your perspective, because I, I feel like in order of reasonableness, it goes you, Matt, and me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. The hierarchy's a little twisted there. Um, <laughs> not, well, not, saying the, that, not saying that you're not the most reasonable, just I don't like being second. I should definitely be last in that list, but okay, continue. Wait, where was I again? You were the first one. Really? You're the most reasonable one. Uh, okay. All right. I'll take it. Sure. You're like the most diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I've, I've I've definitely never experienced anything firsthand. Um, you know, f- seen documentaries, and there's a fantastic uh, season of The Wire. It's sort of like a one that's uh, largely people don't like as much, but I think it's probably my favorite one. Where it's all about the ports and mm-hmm. um, season you know, two, kings. Mm-hmm. Season two, and there's you know the whole thing where there are these uh, shipping containers with um, I think they're Eastern European um, women that have been suffocated in there and i mean that's certainly it was based on like some real news stories that came out um and that's pretty horrific um i don't really know what else to say about it the whole concept's pretty horrific and the fact that like you say there are more people enslaved today than ever um, right pretty it's pretty dreary statistic well then what could be done what if anything could be done to eliminate this It's the mentality. I mean, it's like what you guys are talking about. Like, you know, it's like people are raised in these environments and they grow to see it as being a norm. And then then they, they, maybe they were abused in that way themselves. And so they choose to abuse others in that way, you know. And it's like, if you can't totally just get rid of that mentality and that way of looking at people as just a means to an end, then it's hard. I don't know how you get rid of a problem like that. It's, and, and there's so many ways to do it now with like the internet and um, organized crime. And there's just, it just mm-hmm. seems like it's just got the potential to be so prevalent. And I just don't know how, I don't know. I mean, I hate to sound like I'm you know at a loss, but I, I kind sure. of am. It's, it's a, it's a really big, Big problem. It's very well, scary. Maybe, maybe the, the, in my opinion, the, and I don't know how this would happen, the best way to combat this thing would be to eliminate the economic incentive. Yeah. If it is, you know, people often do things, sure, because of culture, but if it is more profitable to do something else, then that behavior will likely change because we live in a world that currently worships, you know, a, a money regime, yeah. right? Which, you know, may may look just as silly and stupid uh, thousands of years in the future. I think it most certainly will. So, listeners, uh, we would like to hear what you think. As as we mentioned before, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We also do a live show on a little thing called Periscope. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the best way is to just keep tuned in to Twitter, I think. Mm-hmm. It sends out a link. We'll send out a link when we start a show. And we try to give people a little bit of heads up if we're going to do it. Uh, and we also have a website, Stuff They Want You to Know, where you can find every podcast we've ever done. We would like to hear from you, not necessarily about this episode, although, the, although this is an important topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, our best 
episodes, whether video or audio, come from you, uh, our listeners. Uh, so please write in and let us know what you would like to hear about in the future, what you think about this topic, or if you just want to say, hey, Matt, hey, Noel, hey, Ben, uh, then we would also still love to hear from you. Our email address is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com.